Hello, my name is Cordelia. And when I was in grad school, I had a teacher call me to task during my Capstones project. For those of you who know or don't know, the Capstones project is the one project that stands between you and graduating with that master's degree in hand. Well, I was tested for a specific learning disability in reading and math. Mainly we focused on the reading. And with diagnosis in hand, I vowed that my child would not suffer as I did. That we would know about assistive technologies and that I would help him. However, despite my best efforts, my child is falling behind in school. Mainly because the school will not recognize his specific learning disability in reading and math. As a matter of fact, the school even suggested that we get this child tested for attention deficit disorder. Why, you may ask? I'll be more than happy to tell you. Dyslexia and ADHD, attention deficit disorder, they have some overlap, even though the remediation for them is different. Because the ADHD does not have anything to do with an area of the brain that processes language. Yet dyslexia does. Now for the sake of privacy, I will call the young man I have been blessed with, Little Tiger. Now I'm going to tell you why I chose to create this podcast. One, to help me process all that has happened and what is still not happening in regards to obtaining a free and appropriate education for my son. Two, to chronicle not only the angst that goes through the mind of a parent, as they see their system is willing to allow their child to struggle to the point that he has had to have emergency midnight chat sessions with his mom, where he tells her it takes him much longer to grasp certain concepts at school, and he feels dumb because of this and how he has to spend so much of his free time searching information on the net just to make sure he understands the concepts that are taught to him in school, and yet he still falls short of making marks, uh, making good marks. Now, I don't have to tell you as a parent how this saddened me how it made my heart hurt to hear my child refer to himself as feeling dumb, especially when I know he's bright, creative, and is an out-of-the-box thinker and problem solver. However, I also have never felt more proud of my child. Not even the time when I took the sneaky picture of him at age four, sitting on the toilet, reading a book. I happily shot that picture out to family and friends and said, Y'all, I have a reader on my hands. This time, I smiled and was happy because I knew I had a lifelong learner on my hands. This child did not just alert me that he was feeling inadequate in school, but he also alerted me that I had taught him the skills needed to seek out information when information didn't make sense to him. The third reason I wish to start this podcast to let other parents know that they're not alone in this journey. When you find yourself accumulating research, discovering ways to remediate 
your child in the area where they have gaps in their education because the school is not doing so. You find out that you have accumulated enough hours of research and given enough time that you yourself could have earned a degree in the subject matter. You also find that you are researching other skill sets such as negotiation just to be kind of successful and get in the school to provide a free and appropriate education for your child that is driven by appropriate goals that will lead to a meaningful academic growth. Fourth, I want to start this podcast so that others don't feel alone. I was overwhelmed with the information I needed to learn in order to help my child. Full-time parent, full-time wife, full-time worker, outside of the home. That's a lot. And all of a sudden, I've been given an unexpected master's class in my child's specific learning disability of dyslexia. One which I have to find out how to fund myself. One where I'm finding interlibrary loan to be not as effective tool, not a very effective tool in finding curriculums and remediations, spending time on YouTube gathering resources, on Facebook pages, talking to parents and gathering and gleaning information that can be used with my child. I found that I had to splinter myself into many parts. At one time, I am a splinter person who is, at one time I have a splinter of myself that is learning to be as cold and as calculating as any businessman who's the head of a board of a company. At other times, I'm not the loving parent who's the cheerleader standing on the sidelines, but I'm a dogmatic coach pushing my player on, my most valuable player, Little Tiger, striving for nothing but for him to know the best in himself. Other times I'm a patient observer because I realize he has to learn by f learn on his own at times, methods that work for him. And yet again, I have to be the ever-vigilant counselor who helps him overcome self-doubt and fears that are created by the lagging skills because he knows that he's different from others. To be patient, to come up with ways to combat the seeds of doubt planted and negativity inside of his head by educators in the school system who are using reverse psychology to assert their beliefs on him that he's lazy and unmotivated creating anxiety for him because he know he's trying his best. He know he's not measuring up. But at the same time, they plant seeds in his head that it's okay to fail unit tests and benchmark exams. It's okay not to even pass the course exams because they've given them enough work in the classroom to pass the class. So they actually pass the class at the, with passing marks at the end of the year, but yet they don't understand enough of the subject matter to pass the end of course exam. That in itself is disheartening. But yet, this is what has been done in our case.
as they try to persuade the child that the parent is doing too much so that the school can see a power struggle or maybe a negative attitude from the child. So then they can fault the child for the learning disability instead of remediating the child and providing appropriate services. This is very disheartening. This can turn you quite bitter and make you distrustful of the system. Now I know others are facing the same challenge and I am creating a lending library and resource center that will eventually have tutors where parents can educate themselves about their child's learning difference, that is dyslexia, and to find teaching resources without breaking the bank. The name of this resource center is the Dyslexic Librarian's Library. If you wish to help with this endeavor, with monetary donations, or with learning materials, please contact me via Facebook at Cordelia Shepherd Riley or by visiting the GoFundMe page, the Dyslexic Librarian's Library. This is very important because someone being able to read shapes their life. It shapes their quality of life. It shapes their ability to be able to receive quality medical services and to follow up care by being able to understand the printed material that's given to them. It shapes their pro job prospects. It shapes their educational prospects. I ask that you take the time to think about what I've said. And if you can help, please do so. If you know of someone who can help, please reach out to them so that they can aid me to help others. Also, if you know of anyone who may know of grants or can help me obtain grants or write a grant to obtain resources to fund this library, I would be forever indebted to you and grateful, as well as the children who pass through. Thank you. Hello, this is the Dyslexic Librarian again, and I am back with another chapter in the saga of fighting for appropriate education, a free and appropriate education for Little Tiger. A lot has happened. I asked for a CTOP test in February of 2019. The school said, well, we'll do a whole evaluation. I was like, cool, that'll work. Well, what I didn't know is that the school would drag it out. February 15, 2019, I signed the paperwork for this evaluation. The school did not get around to performing the evaluation into November, late October, early November of 2019. There is a large gap in delay in services needed for my child. Now, I try my best to be professional. I read the blogs and go to professional pages because etiquette is always something we can brush up on. And one of the main things we're taught is to not look at someone as having malintent. That people are doing things from a standpoint of what they believe to be is right. However, that can be kind of hard at times. 
especially when you feel as if someone is throwing up red herrings and straw men that they hope you will chase. The newest one is transparency. Now the issue is transparency. I have always recorded our meetings. I have sent emails to the school superintendent stating that I will record all my meetings, especially those dealing with Little Tiger's IEP. Well, currently, I have been accused of recording without notice. I find this interesting since in February, when I noticed that they were not recording the IEP meeting, we have a new compliance officer as well as a new curriculum Director of Curriculum Services, I believe is her title. And I question why they were not recording the IEP meeting. I also question why sidebar conversations were being allowed in hushed tones so that I could not record that in the case that there were issues that needed to be addressed. I followed this up with an email on February 20th. Stating that I don't understand why they're not recording the IEP meeting and stating that from this point forward, it would be best if they also recorded the IEP meetings as I was recording them. Now, I'm being told because I recorded a meeting in September, September 18th to be exact, and I recorded a meeting the f Friday the last Friday that they attended school in my son's school district before the Thanksgiving holidays that they were like copies of my recording for transparency's sake. To me that makes it sound as if I am being dishonest. No, I'm not being dishonest. I stated that we were recording the meetings. I have emails showing that we record meetings. So, I stated that I'd be more than happy to provide them with a transcript of the recording. Now, that will be done because I am acting in good faith. Now the question is, will they perform the Language Live program, which addresses the issue of phenomic awareness with fidelity. At this time, they're not acting in good faith because they are not performing the Language Live program with fidelity. The program is to be performed for 90 minutes a day, five days a week. They want to give him one 90-minute session a week and informed us we could follow up and do sessions at home. The problem with that is I have not attended training for Language Live. I was told that they attended a training for a week with this program. I have no training with it. But yet the program is a multi-sensory program where 30 minutes of the program is conducted with instruction by an instructor, trained, and phenomic awareness and other reading issues 
as well as with the program. At least they're supposed to be trained with the reading issues as well as in this program. I see it as a breach of fidelity to ask the parents to conduct the program at home when they have received no training with, for this program. They are not licensed or certified to teach the program. And it's not as if it's a program such as Barton or Toe by Toe where parents can be the instructor. Matter of fact, those programs, Barton, Toe by Toe, were created for parents to use and have instructional videos that go with the program lessons. So, oh, they also have message boards and Facebook pages dedicated to helping parents who use Toe by Toe or Barton. This is not the case with Language Live. Now the school is currently using, every day with Fidelity, the Achieve 3000. I was told that this program would increase my son's ability to read. And yes, it will increase his orthographic memory, which means it will expose him to words enough over and over that he will know that word upon sight because there's nothing wrong with his visual processing for seeing something and remembering it. However, because he likes the skills to decode a word, which is known as phenomic awareness, being able to split a word up, la, bre, re, well, that was three syllables, la, bre, re, but you also, he would also have to be able to know which sounds made up la bre re or library i'm southern y'all i'm southern forgive me thus he has not that ability in his toolkit therefore he's not truly reading this lack of ability to decode words hinders him in class, it slows him down because he's spending more time memorizing words so that they are in his orthographic memory because he cannot rely on his ability to look at the word and decode it. This hinders his ability and means he learns less than others which shows up on his GMAS because he's never gone beyond beginner not developing, learn, but beginning. Yes, this breaks my heart because I know my child is quite smart. He has to be. He cannot decode words, yet he reads at a seventh grade level. So how much reading has this child done on his own? What does that say to how much exposure he's had to read to words based on the fact he can't decode at all? It looks like from his test. Well, he can decode, but it can't be much since everything is below level, except for one in the C-top score where it says poor. So now our fight is to get him the language live with fidelity five days a week and 90 minutes. 
we still have also to work on his dyscalculia, which people tend to act as if does not exist. I'm gonna save this. It's not the best recording. The dyslexic librarian is signing off. Hello, this is the dyslexic librarian again, and I am back with another chapter in the saga of fighting for appropriate education, a free and appropriate education for Little Tiger. A lot has happened. I asked for a CTOP test in February of 2019. The school said, well, we'll do a whole evaluation. I was like, cool, that worked. Well, what I didn't know is that the school would drag it out. February 15, 2019, I signed the paperwork for this evaluation. The school did not get around to performing the evaluation into November, late October, early November of 2019. There is a large gap in delay in services needed for my child. Now, I try my best to be professional. I read the blogs and go to professional pages because etiquette is always something we can brush up on. And one of the main things we're taught is to not look at someone as having malintent. That people are doing things from a standpoint of what they believe to be is right. However, that can be kind of hard at times, especially when you feel as if someone is throwing up red herrings and straw men that they hope you will chase. The newest one is transparency. Now the issue is transparency. I have always recorded our meetings. I have sent emails to the school superintendent stating that I will record all my meetings, especially those dealing with Little Tiger's IEP. Well, currently, I have been accused of recording without notice. I find this interesting since in February, when I noticed that they were not recording the IEP meeting, we have a new compliance officer, as well as a new curriculum, Director of Curriculum Services, I believe is her title. And I question why they were not recording the IEP meeting. I also question why sidebar conversations were being allowed in hushed tones so that I could not record that in the case that there were issues that needed to be addressed. I followed this up with an email on February 20th. stating that I don't understand why they're not recording the IEP meeting and stating that from this point forward, it would be best if they also recorded the IEP meetings as I was recording them. Now, I'm being told because I recorded a meeting in September, September 18th to be exact, and I recorded a meeting the Friday, the last Friday that they attended school in my son's school district before the Thanksgiving holidays that 
they were like copies of my recording for transparency's sake. To me, that makes it sound as if I am being dishonest. No, I'm not being dishonest. I stated that we were recording the meetings. I have emails showing that we record meetings. So, I stated that I'd be more than happy to provide them with a transcript of the recording. Now, that will be done because I am acting in good faith. Now the question is, will they perform the Language Live program, which addresses the issue of phenomic awareness with fidelity? At this time, they're not acting in good faith because they are not performing the Language Live program with fidelity. The program is to be performed for 90 minutes a day, five days a week. They want to give him one 90-minute session a week and informed us we could follow up and do sessions at home. The problem with that is I have not attended training for Language Live. I was told that they attended a training for a week with this program. I have no training with it. But yet, the program is a multi-sensory program where 30 minutes of the program is conducted with instruction by an instructor trained in phenomic awareness and other reading issues as well as with the program. At least, they're supposed to be trained with the reading issues as well as in this program. I see it as a breach of fidelity to ask the parents to conduct the program at home when they have received no training with, for this program. They are not licensed or certified to teach the program. And it's not as if it's a program such as Barton or Toe by Toe where parents can be the instructor. Matter of fact, those programs, Barton, Toe by Toe, were created for parents to use and have instructional videos that go with the program lessons. So, oh, they also have message boards and Facebook pages dedicated to helping parents who use Toe by Toe or Barton. This is not the case with Language Live. Now the school is currently using, every day with Fidelity, the Achieve 3000. I was told that this program would increase my son's ability to read. And yes, it will increase his orthographic memory, which means it will expose him to words enough over and over that he will know that word upon sight because there's nothing wrong with his visual processing for seeing something and remembering it. However, because he likes the skills to decode a word, which is known as phenomic awareness, being able to split a word up, la, bre, re, well, that was three syllables, la, bre, re, but you also, he would also have to be able to know which sounds made up 
la brerie or library. I'm southern, y'all. I'm southern. Forgive me. Thus, he has not that ability in his toolkit. Therefore, he's not truly reading. This lack of ability to decode words hinders him in class. It slows him down because he's spending more time memorizing words so that they are in his orthographic memory because he cannot rely on his ability to look at the word and decode it. This hinders his ability and means he learns less than others, which shows up on his GMAS because he's never gone beyond beginner. Not developing, learn, but beginning. Yes, this breaks my heart because I know my child is quite smart. He has to be. He cannot decode words, yet he reads at a seventh grade level. So how much reading has this child done on his own? What does that say to how much exposure he's had to read to words based on the fact he can't decode at all? It looks like from his test. Well, he can decode, but it can't be much since everything is below level except for one in the C-top score where it says poor. So now our fight is to get him the language live with fidelity five days a week and 90 minutes. We still have also to work on his dyscalculia, which people tend to act as if does not exist. I'm gonna save this. It's not the best recording. The dyslexic librarian is signing off.